Time now for Connecting the Diocese. Connecting the Diocese is a production of the Diocese of La Crosse. Here's host Jack Silsha. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, Connecting the Diocese. You know, most people are back from Easter break or spring break or whatever they call it. And in some cases, people go outside the USA, in some cases to places where English is not even the primary language. And sometimes, while they're there, they discover they really want to get a tattoo. And then they come back home with it. Now, in some places where English is not the primary language, putting a tattoo on someone with words would be a little bit like me trying to copy, say, something from Swahili. And so sometimes mistakes are made. There was one person who decided to be a little bit rebellious and put a statement on their body via tattoo, and they came back from their vacation proudly showing off a tattoo that says, Only judge can guide me. Some people also fancy having tattoos with Chinese characters on them for words like wisdom or strength. Not always are they exactly what they expected. One person came back with some beautiful looking tattoos. They had a Chinese character set on it. It turns out that what the Chinese character set really said was noodles cooked in pork fat. Coming up in just a little bit, we're going to be talking with a man who definitely did not make any mistake by moving to the Diocese of La Crosse. So stick around. We'll be right back with more right here on Connecting the Diocese. Well, despite the recent snow, things are really beginning to green up. So it's time to start thinking about some cool things you can do to have fun and help out the Diocese of La Crosse at the same time. So save this date, June 5th. I know it sounds like a long ways away, but look how fast we've already gotten through the month of April so far. June 5th. It's the third annual Diocesan Golf Outing and Dinner at the Fox Hollow Golf Course on County Road O in La Crosse. This is sponsored by the Office for Vocations. In the Diocese of La Crosse, we are fortunate, or some say blessed, to have a number of seminarians coming down the pike. We've got some ordinations coming up as well pretty soon. These folks who are going to become priests are not so-called 90-day wonders. They are men who have been through years of training. It is very, very much similar to the length of time it takes to become a doctor. And as I believe it was Father Kuhn who said, you wouldn't want a doctor who was only trained for a year and a half. The variety of experiences these priests will encounter in their careers, in their lifetimes, in their vocation is almost unimaginable. It can take them anywhere from someplace in Pittsville or Medford or wherever, all the way down to Peru and maybe even beyond that. They will be touching lives in parishes and missions in all kinds of ways that who knows what it will be, but I'm sure it'll be wonderful. This kind of training doesn't come cheap. So consequently, the Diocese of La Crosse needs to always be asking you for money to help support both the seminarians and those in the Journey program who are considering becoming seminarians. One way you can do it is on June 5th, go play some golf and have dinner. For more information on this, just go to diolc.org slash golf, diolc.org slash golf, and mark the date, June 5th. It's going to be a good time. You'll have a great time, and you'll get to meet some of these fine folks as well. We'll see you there at this great event. Well, as promised, we have a brand new guest on Connecting the Diocese. Jeff, can you give everybody your complete name and also what your title is? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. My name is Jeff Hancock, and I'm the the new director, regional director of Catholic Charities in Wausau. And you are originally from where? From Seattle, Washington. Okay, so you were born in the greater Seattle area, and uh, boy, that's a, a long ways away. How, how did you 
How did you end up in the in Warsaw? Well, it's it's actually it's a long story. Long story short, God did it. I'm first of all, I'm married. I have ten children, and in 2008, I had three children, and God decided to uh, hit us with a two by four in regards to His church. We were Protestant. Uh, my wife actually spent several years as a Protestant youth minister, and in 2008. I read a magazine article in regards to a a candidate for the presidency back then. He was from down south, I believe Georgia or or someplace down there. And in the article, it was just talking about how he's running for president. And it just in passing, it mentioned that he converted to Catholicism um, after reading a book by Scott Hahn. I remember at the time, just being being dumbfounded. Um, again, I, I grew up Protestant and had had a lot of just underlying anti-Catholic beliefs that I'd had since childhood. So I thought this was very um, surprising to me that he would, would do this. And it just kept eating away at me like, why did this happen? Again, my preconceived ideas about Catholicism, I was very prideful <laughs> at the time in terms of what I thought was the truth and how could an intelligent person actually do this? And then it really got, I got to thinking about, well, you know what, he's running for president, so he can't be that unintelligent. And then I kept talking to my wife about it, just bringing it up in conversation. So one day she drove me to Barnes and Noble and she's like, would you just get the book that he read? And just be done with it. Read the book, find out for yourself, you know, why why he converted to Catholicism. So I I read the book. Long story short, everything that I believed about Catholicism, that I thought to be true about Catholicism, was wrong. Like I was just misinformed. I was what was taught to me just in the my Protestant world was was not the truth about what the Catholic Church really believed. And sent us on this journey to the Catholic Church. And I remember reading, uh, picked up the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And again, kind of a, a prideful thought. I was like, you know what, I'm going to read this. If there's anything wrong, then forget it. It's done. So I was reading the Catechism and it kept referencing all these people, um, which of course were the, the early church fathers and early church writings and um, other documents. And I was surprised because I went to a Baptist university in, in Arizona and I had never heard of these early church fathers, things that they believed in the centrality of what I didn't know was the Eucharist and the centrality of the Eucharist to that, you know, first century Christian life. And again, a long, long story short, we, we converted, we became Catholic in 2008. And one of the outcomes of that was we embraced the church's teaching on the openness to life and our family, God blessed us and our, our family grew. And at that, that time, alongside with coming Catholic, um, I was also a police officer, a deputy sheriff with the King County Sheriff's Office in Seattle, Washington. And I was work, working in the Seattle area. And I remember during our conversion at the initial stages, going to a Catholic church in my district. It was two, like two to three o'clock in the morning and walking into what I later found out to be was an adoration chapel and opening the door and seeing it was packed full of people. There were some people that were prostrate on the floor, others kneeling in front of, I didn't know what it was at the time, but the, the monstrance with the Eucharist. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, there's something like really going on here. This, you know, if people are here at two o'clock in the morning, showing this kind of reverence. And then upon learning what the Eucharist was, and um, it, it, that was a, a big part of my conversion, seeing that in action. So after that, 
The district that I was in, that I was working as a as a deputy in, was the the highest crime rate of our area. It was the most culturally diverse, but also economically depressed. And uh, there's a there's a large um, population of transient or homeless um, that were in that area. And upon converting, my really coming to uh, embrace or the Catholic worldview on the dignity of the human person, just the teachings about how we're to treat each other, how we're to treat the least of these that Christ talks about in Scripture, I realized that I had this opportunity with my job to be involved with them on a daily basis. And so my career took a turn upon my conversion. I had, you know, before my conversion, I had uh, aspirations of going to different units and, and doing different, you know, a totally different career path. Upon my conversion, seeing the gift that God had given me to be able to place me in a position to work with the homeless, to work with the drug addicted, the mentally ill, and share the gospel, sometimes in words, sometimes just by action. And so I was just honored to be able to serve our Lord in that, that capacity. And as the years went on, policing became harder and harder and harder. And this last few years, as you know, it's it took a real tough turn. There are a lot of different factors in it, but I had been working for 25 years in my district that, that I had just described. And there are a lot of other factors too, but we just discerned in our family that I needed to retire and we were going to move. So we were looking all over the country for a place to retire, to move. And a very holy friend that we know mentioned to us when we were, I think we we're in Indiana looking at possibly settling down there. And he said, hey, have you thought about Wausau? Have you ever been up there? And I said, I don't even know what Wausau, where's that? And he said, well, it's in Wisconsin. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know what? I've never been to Wisconsin. But my wife and I, we thought, well, let's rent a car and we'll we'll go up there and see. And, you know, one of the, the aspects that we were looking into was the fact that if I'm correct, there are seven Catholic churches in the immediate Wausau area, and not just that, but there are just so many other Christian denominations in this area where we came from in Seattle. I mean, God is really pushed to the side, and when you are out and about, you feel that. And so to be in a place raising our kids that um, it's okay, it's not just okay, it's like it's the norm that you know people believe in God, they believe in Jesus Christ, and uh, that, that was a, a great factor going up there. So we we rented a car, went up to Wausau, Wisconsin, and apparently we were here on the absolute best day of the year in 2021. It was uh, the end of September, beautiful weather, everything was green. And a um, little side note that how we knew that God was calling us to this place. When I was in Seattle, I would listen to, there's a YouTube channel that has a lot of different sermons from different uh, Catholic priests. And there were these two priests uh, specifically that whenever they would come up, there's never any pictures of them or information about them. It was just an audio, basically. I, I was like, oh, it's 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 this this priest again. I want to listen to him. There, there were so many homilies that really just helped change and direct my life spiritually that benefited me and my family just, just greatly. And one of the, the homilies that he gave really solidified in my mind and in my heart that God was calling us to to leave Washington. And so when we uh, visited a parish up here in Wausau, the priest began giving his homily. It was, he has a very distinctive voice. And that was the priest that had really been giving me spiritual direction through homilies for quite a while without even knowing who he was. 
And there's a second priest that's also at this parish, and speaking with him, he was the other priest. That's amazing. It, 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 it was. <laughs> that is amazing. Now, listen, we, you, you can say who they are if you want to. Please do, because I'm sure, <clears throat> I, I'm curious, who, who, who were they? Uh Canon Huberfeld and Canon Matteo at St. Mary's Oratory. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we know the we know the names well. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know the, the thing is, uh, let me backtrack a little bit. Number one, uh, well, twenty five years on the police with the police department. That's a long haul, uh, that is. and I'm, I'm sure you have seen things in your line of work that most of us civilians can't even imagine. And at the same time, it opened your heart as opposed to hardened your heart. Mm-hmm. To the idea that, uh, as someone said, religion is not taught, religion is caught. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was raised a Methodist. Actually, I was, but amazingly enough, I was baptized Presbyterian for some reason, uh, raised a Methodist because there was a Methodist church down the street. But it's not terribly unusual that religions tend to be compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they have agendas. Other cases, they just don't know. In all my years uh, in the youth fellowship, we, we never, you know, we never interfaced with other religions. Uh, and it was kind of a, a, a sad thing. In other places, there is hostility. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it, there just is. I remember one time in our early days uh, doing the show 10 years ago, I thought it would be interesting to talk to the, uh, to the Gideon Society who, um, who puts Bibles out. And they really didn't want to talk to me because we were a Catholic broadcast. Mm, yeah. And it was kind of like, well, okay, you know, I, <laughs> that's up to you. You know, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, we, we meant you no harm. You know, we're, there's, uh, we're not a gotcha journalist thing at all. And I, I'm sure that, uh, again, there's situations. We had Bishop Callahan on with uh, the Lutheran bishop in the area and the retiring rabbi who mm. was here. And they got along great. Mm. Um, there's an interfaith group in lacrosse that works on projects together and there's a lot of cooperation that goes on and they they put aside theological differences for the greater good and i think we can we can talk to each other and and be very surprised but yeah it is a sad thing that in some situations people not only do they not know anything about the catholic church and i was one of them i was a blank slate but also they hear crazy stuff you know just crazy crazy stuff but again you know you're never going to figure out exactly how things happen. The fact that you heard these two gentlemen, these two priests from the Diocese of La Crosse, mm-hmm. all the way across the country, and you just basically like what they had to say, <laughs> it's pretty neat. Now, you mentioned, how, how old are your kids now? Uh, what, what age bracket are they now? So I have from 21 down to four. So, okay. Yeah, it's the whole, whole mix. So mm-hmm. we, we have a set of twins in there also. Um, and two of their, the oldest boys are out of the house. So right now we, we have eight that are with us in the house that uh, we're, we're um, raising right now. And uh-huh. they're very happy to be in, in Wausau. They're having a great time. Oh, and, that's uh, that was going to be my next question. Is how was the transition <clears throat> from Seattle? The transition for the, for the eight that are here with me now, it was obviously, it was, it was tough at first, but they've really adapted very, very well. Two boys were away at college when this happened and it happened very suddenly. And we did not, we did not know when they left for college in the summer that we would be moving within a couple months. And so they never got to say goodbye to their friends. And I believe it, it it's pretty tough on them because when they came home, you know, for Christmas break, they're, they're coming to Wisconsin in December, which is it's <laughs> not a, the same. It's completely different, <laughs> but they're doing well now. And you know, just the, 
the community, the faith community here, the, uh, you know, God has truly blessed us by bringing us here. So we're happy. The twins, are they boys or girls? A boy and a girl. Wow. Okay. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we, uh, we, uh, next time we have a show on regarding uh, how kids are doing these days, as we had last week, Mm -hmm. uh, We'll have to get you on the get you on the phone because uh, you got you got a certain amount of experience. Were they uh, were the ones who were old enough uh, a little relieved to be knowing that Daddy was a little bit safer now and and not out on mean streets all the time? I I don't know if they were relieved about that. I th- I think the overall feeling is uh, this is a job that uh, working with the homeless is what I what I love to do. And right. so I think moving from Seattle out to here, uh, I didn't have that opportunity. And one of the things that I, I really missed about Seattle, I mean, there's the beauty, obviously, the water in the mountains. But the only thing I really, truly missed about being in Seattle was the daily interaction with with people that that, that they just they they need Christ. They you know, they need to know about our Lord, because that's, I truly believe that that's the only answer to homelessness. That's the, the answer for everybody in all their situations is is Christ. So having the opportunity to interact on a daily basis was my biggest, you know, sorrow from leaving Seattle. And so they see this now working for Catholic Charities, you know, being part of, of a, an organization that reaches out with the, you know, the expressed mission statement of trying to bring the abundant love of Christ to the to the homeless and to the people that have you know been pushed to the side and that most of society doesn't doesn't uh doesn't really notice or care about so kind of a roundabout answered your question but my my kids are yeah they're happy i mean that's good yeah yeah and they're happy that we're out of seattle so yeah well you know the thing is too is we talked about this repeatedly at all situations in different shows is that if someone has for whatever reason, uh, zero religious belief. They're, they're just adrift. Mm-hmm. Uh, something will fill it, that space. Yes. And and it can be all kinds of things. <clears throat> in, in, in some of the worst case scenarios, it can be, you know, fentanyl. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be anything. But uh, uh, people tend to, there's a lot of people now who, you know, every time there's something in uh, the paper about the Pope or anything religious, uh, uh, there's always somebody who, you know, in an anonymous posting, they don't put their names out, of course, going, uh, religion is the worst thing in the world. They've caused more harm than anybody else. Yes. <laughs> you know, well, this is total nonsense. Uh, we see, and you see, mm-hmm. every week I see people doing good things in the name of their religion. And I will, of course, talk about Catholic charities, about Catholics in general, but also, you know, the, the, the Lutheran relief. And the, the, there's all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing it because they believe that God is love and Jesus Christ is there and he's giving commandments and things like that. You know, and this totally flies in the face of the rather ignorant position that religion just does rotten stuff. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, uh, as, as Roberto Partaru has said, if Catholic charities would go away and only rely upon taxpayer-funded relief, there would be total chaos. Absolute I, chaos. I firmly believe that, yes. Yeah, because they, they just do so much stuff. And, they and you know, right now we, we just got past the uh, the April 15th power cutoffs and there are, uh, you know, people being helped as we speak, getting their power turned back on through the help 
of Catholic yes. charities. And this was a huge thing. We, we talk about it every year because I knew a guy, I've told this story before, I'm telling it to you because you haven't heard it. Uh, he was a Desert Storm combat veteran. Hmm. You know, tough guy. Mm-hmm. And a number of years ago, his son, who was also in the, went into the military, was in Iraq and had kind of lost contact. They, they, get, you know, they don't always get to call home all the time. And he was just distraught. He was worried about his son. And he was so distraught, he let some of his power bills slip. And next thing, mm. his power was cut off. And of all the people in the world to have his power cut off, you know, mm-hmm. and he called me up. He was really upset. He says, I'm having to shower over at, at a neighbor in my another apartment so I can go to work. And I said, call Catholic Charities. And of course he did. And they, they got the power turned back on. Mm-hmm. But, but the point is, there's, it, 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 the people that you deal with right now, in some cases through no fault of their own or just missteps, you know, or just things go wrong. Uh, things happen and it can happen. As Roberto was saying, there's a ton of people who are staying, for example, in the shelters who are actually holding down jobs, but the cost of living right now and the cost of housing right now, they can't make ends meet if they're making, for example, like a minimum wage or something. So yeah. there's, there's a story behind every single one of them. So what you're doing is extending the same kind of thing you were doing as, as a police person in Seattle, mm-hmm. only you're now doing it just full time. Exactly. Yeah. That's really, yeah, and that's got to make you feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, in Scripture, Christ says that if you give, you know, the least of these something to eat, or the thirsty a drink, or you invite a stranger in, give somebody clothing, you're doing that to him, and that's exactly what, you know, Catholic Charities is doing. So to be part of that is is a, uh, is I just feel honored and 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 very blessed because. Like you were saying, all these different stories that people have that are on the street, like it's, it is really, once I became Catholic, looking at the fact that, you know, there by the grace of God go I, and, and that Christ, Christ loves these people passionately. And when we serve them, we're serving him. So honestly, it's probably the best. Well, it is. It's the best job that I've had in my life. So I'm very happy. (laughs) Yeah, I can, I can understand your feeling about that because I was uh, doing commercial radio for a lot of years and uh, this is much more interesting. Uh, yes. <laughs> much, much more useful. And also, Bishop Callahan, being a Franciscan, one of his favorite phrases is that uh, St. Francis said something to the effect to go preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Yes. And yes. Uh, he also, one of his phrases, which I use constantly, is he says, no one is disposable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in their frailty, in their old age, in whatever it happens to be, nobody is disposable. You just cannot cast them aside. So I have, yes. what did your wife say when you first said to her, I'm kind of looking into Catholicism? Well, God blessed us with a overwhelming grace in the fact that we, um, she was completely on board. Um, I, I would read different things to her. Hey, did you know the Catholics believe this? And you know whether it's about an interpretation of scripture or whatnot, I would say that to her. And she was like, well, I've always believed that. And so... My wife is, like I said, she was a youth pastor. She she is a living saint, and she she has helped me so much. And she has come to the the point where it was just what she said was, I've always been Catholic. Like I've that, that this is always the feeling that I've had when reading scripture. I mean, she would read the Bible. She read still reads the Bible all the time, and so it was. We were blessed with being on the same page, and um, we we came into the church together. Um, there was never any discord between us god brought the whole family in in uh, one swoop and it, it was easy because i know on some other you know people that 
that convert that they do have that problem. But we were we were blessed. So it she, was a mutual decision. Sure, sure. It, it was a mutual decision. Mm-hmm. Yes. What did you went through the RCIA process? I'm assuming I did. Yes. Uh, what did you think of that process? <laughs> we we came in and we were like, hey, we just especially once we decided and we knew God was calling us, we came to to the church like just full of joy, and and we were just like, we want to become Catholic. Here's what we have to do, and. And they were like, well, you have to go through RCI and the next one doesn't, you won't be able to come in until next Easter, which um, was a whole year away. And we were, we were, we were very, very discouraged. But again, God is good. He has a plan. And that, that year of RCIA, that, that um, discernment in relationship with God and learning about his church, learning about his teachings, um, when we were finally able to, we did. We came in to the church a, a year later, so the process was very long, and that was because we hadn't been baptized. You know, ah. I, my wife was a was a was a youth pastor, and I I grew up um, in a Presbyterian household, and I hadn't been baptized. And so you got the full meal deal. Oh, I lucked out. Let me tell you, it, it was <laughs> yeah. I, I did get the full meal deal. You got and, baptized, confirmed, and everything. Wow! Yep, all in, all on the uh, Easter vigil. It was. Oh man, <laughs> it, it was amazing. It was that absolutely was good. amazing. That was wonderful. Now, how did you get into the circle of Catholic charities? I mean, did you just look in the paper and discover they wanted that they needed somebody, <clears> or what happened? Well, again, it, as is everything that turns out well, it's it's from it was it was God. Um, he he brought us here to Wisconsin, and I bumped into Roberto at a there was a symposium on homelessness, a, a, a meeting of all the different partners in the, the general Wausau area to talk about homelessness. And I was invited, not positive who invited me to share my experience of working in Seattle with the homeless in, in Seattle and how they addressed the homeless pr- problem, which uh, wasn't a very good, it, it hasn't worked out well out there, just to give that perspective. That's where I met Roberto. And we engaged just in, in short conversation, and um, we were put back in touch with, with each other a little bit later, and I was able to apply for this position and was chosen for it. Uh, by the grace of God, I am I am here. So it's, you know, I, I, it never was on my radar. I'd always wanted to, to work with the homeless, but it, it was never, there was never an option. It wasn't feasible for me to be able to do it and raise a large family on the West Coast, when I came out here, um, God's just made it possible. He, he's opened the doors for me to be able to to serve in this capacity. And I live I live really, really close to the the shelter here, to the CPC in Wausau, which allows me to 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 come in here at many different times to to meet everybody and be be like present and available for everyone here. So it's it's God did it. And there's so there's so much more to the story, but um, He is good and his plan is best, and we've we've seen it work out the, our whole move here and since being here. Yeah, it is. Sometimes you just sit back and you just say, "God, you are really, you are really something." I was a, a journalist of sorts. I, I write how-to books for computer users and other things, and uh, I I was writing for magazines and I was on talk networks uh, weekly, talking about tech stuff and this, that, and the other. And we had become Catholic uh, sometime around. 2009 or so and then in you know 2010 i'm writing articles and i'm publishing stuff and i'm doing all this stuff and 9-11 hits mm. 
and boom, and everything dried up. I mean, it was just, there was no advertising, therefore there were no pages in the magazines. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so nothing to write. And I took an inside job in La Crosse, training people to uh, do telephone reservations to, to basically keep paychecks coming in. And I discovered it was kind of interesting doing that. But that only lasted about so, um, a year and a half. And then the contract was over. And so I was back sitting in the house on April Fool's Day, of all hmm. things, trying to think how I can get back into doing journalistic stuff. Mm-hmm. And the phone rings, and a guy from the Catholic Radio Network is on a cell phone calling me saying, uh, uh, Jack, I was uh, told that uh, you had radio background uh, by the Catholic uh, Times, and uh, would you be interested in managing a Catholic radio station on the cross? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'll talk. Heck yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, after I had the conversation and agreed to go to talk, I hung up the phone, and I turned to my wife, and I said, if you don't think God is not looking out for yeah. us. It is insane. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another, and I did some other things as well. And here we are, you know, doing what we're doing right now, sharing the amazing life of people who pay attention to God. Mm-hmm. And, and also, we're hoping that people listening will say, you know, I'm I'm pulled. Maybe I'm pulled to be a priest. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just yeah. want to see what these Catholics are up to. Maybe I'm a Catholic who's kind of like gone away and not just kind of put it aside. And mm-hmm. you know, boy, they're doing good stuff. Now I have to ask you briefly. Uh, it to my way of thinking, and I'm a news junkie, having spent a lot of time in and around newsrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, it does seem like the homeless situation in the country is is not getting better. No, it's not. And and I think you see all I ever see is pictures of Seattle <clears throat> in the news, and I can't. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like there were streets just filled with tents, mm-hmm. of, and it it looked really rough. Uh, was it is it as as rough as as the media is is showing it? I would have to say it's worse. Um, ah. I would I would have to say it's substantially worse than what what is portrayed in the media. My experience with it is. I think where society has dropped the ball is that people in general perceive letting tent cities exist, giving people pieces of land to go ahead and and have these communities of homeless is charitable. And that's absolutely, my experience has been the most uncharitable thing is to allow them to, to live in such conditions where it's, there's no hope. Um, it, what I experienced was it, it's crime ridden. It, it lends itself to people oppressing other people, um, victimizing human trafficking. It's a place where narcotic sales and use, uh, it, it, they're just open air drug markets. And it, in the Seattle area, there's this perfect storm of, of lack of laws to enforce things. And I, my personal opinion is a misplaced sentiment of believing that by allowing them to do what they want that we're actually helping them and by giving them tents that we're helping them and by not arresting them for certain crimes that that we're being charitable to the homeless population when the the concrete reality is it's enabling people to spiral out of control it's putting the the public at risk Um, but most of all these the people that are they're living in these conditions uh, they they lose hope and um i i've been to i mean it it's sad it, so I, it, it's sad well the other thing is is that not everybody that 
you could be walking along in your life and you can have an apartment, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a car and all this stuff. And then something happens, like your car breaks down and you can't fix it. And then you can't get to work and you lose your job. Mm-hmm. And then you can't pay your rent and you're evicted. Mm-hmm. And, and so you could have these people who are essentially newly homeless and they don't know the ropes. And there are people out there who will take advantage of them who, who as you say, are, are in that homeless community, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. uh, who are victimizing people. Uh, yes. It's, it's, you know, it's not as clear cut as, oh, they're all just a bunch of lazy people who don't want to work. It doesn't work no. that way. Uh, and Roberto has told us time and time again that at Catholic Charities, they try to reach some of the people who have been hardcore homeless, who have been in many ways driven mentally ill, Mm-hmm. by having been homeless for so long. Uh, it isn't that the newly homeless don't need help. It's just that they need a different kind of help than the hardcore. It's very, very difficult. Ha- have you seen, is the Wausau situation uh, better, easier? Uh, how is it there compared to, to Seattle? I, I'm very impressed with, with what's going on here in Wausau. And I really, I'm so optimistic and, and happy to be part of this because it, all the the service providers are on the same page. They have the same goal. They there's no infighting. There's there's no competition. We're we're all working together, and it is uh, it is a complex homelessness is very complex. And you do have the chronic homeless that a lot of people you know what you see in the news and whatnot. And you do have other ones like you were just describing that are newly homeless that have been evicted that through no fault of their own, or maybe just through, you know, some fault, but very minimal, end up with no money and on the street. And there are different ways that you approach each of those that, with the, the ultimate goal of getting them back into housing. Because whether you're a chronic, um, somebody suffering from chronic homelessness or recently um, homeless, having housing is, is, is the number one at least in my experience, the number one condition that you have to have to flourish, to be able to, to I guess, gain that dignity back, to be able to to go out and, and better your situation. Um, housing is, is, is so important. And so Catholic Charities um, does approach both those. We, we, we have the shelter here in Wausau, um, which we're, we're taking the people directly off the street. We have programs here at the CPC and through Catholic Charities that will help those people that are struggling, that may be just newly homeless, and but but highly motivated to to better their situation and get back into housing. Um, so all the, all the pieces are here to to handle the problem correctly. And the what I've experienced with the Wausau Police Department, with the City Council and the Mayor, uh, everybody's on on board to charitably. Um, get solve this problem in, in our area and it's very manageable and with the the heart that i've seen from everybody all the different partners involved um it, it's gonna work i mean it's it's great i I'm, I'm really proud to be part of it because it's not um there aren't like political ideologies or anything there there's no um everybody's on the same team and yeah. it, it, it's great so. they're working together i mean quite honestly if some insane circumstance happened and I suddenly found myself homeless, I would be terrified. Mm, yes. I would be terrified. I would suggest to people that, you know, try to stay outside in a city on the street for eight hours mm. or maybe 12 hours mm-hmm. where there's no respite. 
you know, and as Roberto has been saying, these people, mm-hmm. they have a, you, you, they want to improve their lives, but they're really thinking of where they're going to get their next meal, where they're going to sleep that night, are they yeah. going to get robbed? You yes. know, that's all they can think about is what am I going to do next? Oh my gosh, I used to stay over here at the, uh, you know, at the Krispy Kreme shop, but they're closed now. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 there's an empty building here. Can I get into it? And if I do, who's going to be there? It's terrifying. Yes. yes. Absolutely terrifying. And it's terrifying for men and women. And you've got people who are have got kids, you know, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Now, there have been some recent major, re- there's been some construction things going on with Catholic Charities, but also... Um, there has been a major change to the, for the better uh, and an improvement of more accessibility in Wausau. Can, can you explain what that is? Yes. So the, the warming um, center, which is the shelter um, here in Wausau, has, uh, has only been open during the winter months um, since its inception. And, but now we've, we've discerned that we we're going to keep it open all year round because um, we need to be there for the homeless. We, we, we need to provide at, at the warming center. What, what we provide is a, a safe place for them to come and have a meal. We wash their clothes for them. We, we provide a safe environment for them to go to sleep. Um, we also, once they're inside, they're able to access some of our services. So we direct them to, to further opportunities for them to, to get out of the circumstance um, that they're in. And like I said before, the, the ultimate answer for each of these individuals is, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like they, that Christ is the answer to, to that, to their problem. And we have volunteers and staff members that, um, that's, that's the connection. That's where, you know, as Christians, when we are, are serving these people, you know, Christ is, we're serving Christ, but it's also as part of the body of Christ. We're bringing Christ to them so that they can they can know Jesus and well, and that opportunity. Yeah, because I'm sure some of them sit here and they go, well, "Why are you doing all this stuff for us?" Uh, and this is not where you jam it down your throat. Mm-hmm. But again, this is where well, this is what we believe. We believe that you have value because Christ said, "Yes, <laughs> you know, yes." Uh, uh, you know, some you know, if you, or was that you know the, the story about you know if you have two coats and the and the person has none, give them one of your coats. Yes, you know, this is basic stuff, and they may at least begin to understand that there are people out there who have a system of belief that is a yes. benefit. In many cases, you know, you they're too busy trying to just stay alive to even think about their own spirituality. That's absolutely it, true, yes. It, it takes time. And, and it isn't the kind of thing where you can say, well, unless you profess this right now, we're not going to feed you. It doesn't yeah. work that way. It doesn't work that way. No, not at all. And it, and it really goes back to what you were talking about with the, the bishop's Franciscan take on that, which is you're always preaching the gospel, but only using words when necessary. And with the guests that we have here, that they were not out there preaching, so to speak, but we are preaching just by being there, by, you know, being charitable and loving to them unconditionally. And that, that's a, that's a huge, like for, for somebody that lives on the street to be treated as a human being, just another, you know, a, a brother, a sister, an equal is the opportunity that, that God can use to help this person, you know, either come draw himself to him to help him get out of that that circumstance. I just have a real quick example of that where one of the guests that we have here went across the street to St. Mary's and he hadn't been to confession 
for years and years. Um, I want to say over a decade. And I was talking to him in shelter here and the, the whole circumstance, which is just so great. Um, another guest at the shelter invited him to go to go to church. So he went to mass and he was sitting in a pew and one of the, the parishioners there came up, a young man with his wife and kids, and just tapped the, the homeless guest on the shoulder and said, hey, do you mind if we sit with you during mass? So I talked to the to the homeless person after here at the shelter, and he was just he was crying, telling me that this is the first time that somebody has treated him just like a normal person, even though he was obviously homeless. And this this helped him with he he goes to confession and he he's going to mass now he's back in the you know living a sacramental life, and nothing was said but just can I can I sit with you during mass which God used that that act of love from this parishioner to catapult this person into, you know, the sacramental life. And subsequently, this person actually is in housing now. Um, it's just a, a, a great success story. And, that, and it's not just one. We, we've had multiple people that in the shelter will go across the street and um, have had their confession heard for the first time in 20 years. And the visible change that we see at the shelter with with these people is uh, striking it's just it and that's they come back to the shelter out on the street with this visible outward hope and peace in that circumstance when you're homeless and you have a peace and joy that's where the evangelism then starts it's on the street with the other people that are homeless this this person that has experienced god's love um which i i believe that what started that, what gave the that even a chance to happen was um, just coming to the shelter, knowing that this is always open and interacting with with the volunteers that just love them for just because they are who they are. There was one fellow that uh, Roberto talked about who, you know, he had been a pretty hardcore, um, unsheltered person. And uh, they worked through his many... Uh, many demons, I guess you want to call it, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, got him into his own 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 apartment. And uh, I don't know if it was the same guy, but in one case they had a guy that they promised they would have a bed delivered, and for some reason something happened, and the bed didn't get there. And they said, we're sorry, we can't get it till tomorrow. And the guy said, don't worry about it. This carpet I'm lying on is the most comfortable thing I've oh, slept yeah. in years. But this guy mm. ended up getting a job, and and eventually paying for his own apartment. Now he wasn't making a lot of money, you know. I mean, he was. You know, it was a full time job, but it was a relatively menial position with not big pay. Roberto was bowled over because this guy saved a little bit from his paycheck every week, and after a few months, he sent a relatively large check to Catholic charity, saying, wow. "You guys helped me so much. Here's some money so you can help the next person." Wow. That's yeah. Great. You just That's hit there and you go, you know, this is the kind of stuff that makes knowing these things mm -hmm. worth doing. Now, the other reason we've got you on is, A, I wanted to introduce you to, <laughs> to, the, mm -hmm. to the folks, you know, because uh, it's pretty amazing story. And hopefully uh, they will meet you in person someday and we'll probably have you on again. But also uh, because of the fact that the warming center is now going to be also, I guess, a cooling center or yes. a nice day center <laughs> <laughs> or a you, there's no place else to go center and we're, we have to help you because we've mm -hmm. got, to, got to do this. Uh, this also is going to require additional help 
and we're talking about people volunteering. Uh, what kind of stuff are you looking for? We're looking for for everything from cooking meals and serving meals to manning the doors for our intake and for our release. All of these involve actually interacting with with um, our guests, with the homeless guests. And we have so many positions and so many opportunities. The bottom line is that if you do come to volunteer with us, you you are going to be what I would call the boots on the street, the the first first line in the trenches, um, fighting that that battle of it's not really. I mean, we're fighting the battle for their lives, but we have crisis on our side, so it's going to work. And and to have the ability as a volunteer, you're going to be there um, interacting with, with people and just uh, showing God's love to them unconditionally. And we have, we have receptionists that we need. We have people that man uh, the property room where we, we keep all of the, the guest property when they come in. Um, but the the amount of opportunity to serve, because we are now going uh, year round throughout the summer, um, it, it's there. And and I would encourage anybody that um, that has ever pondered this, thought about doing it, um, helping the homeless to to really pray and discern whether or not God is is calling you to to take part in this, because it is it's life changing. It's real to to see people that our Lord loves so deeply that are afflicted with mental health issues, with addiction, but not to have that, um, not to have that be a barrier for you, showing them love, showing them God's love. Um, It's a great, it's a, it's very fulfilling. So I would encourage people that do, that have thought about it, um, but might be apprehensive about, oh my goodness, I've, I've seen what, you know, on, on the media, I've seen homeless people and some of them, they're scary. A lot of people think they're scary. And what I would say is each and every single one of these, of, of the homeless people, they all have different circumstances, but but they're all loved by God. They're all loved by G- by the same Jesus that loves us, you know, and and with God's help and grace, when we when we interact with them, you see that they are a human person, that they're just like us, like you know, there by the grace of God goes go I, and they need, you know, Christ wants wants to minister to these people, and we're the body of Christ. So, um, take this opportunity if God's calling you to yeah. to do it. Somebody's got to do it, and also now this is not something where they just throw you in there. There is training involved. Yes, we have training, and we have a a new coordinator for the shelter. And so if you are interested in volunteering, just contact Catholic Charities and you would be directed to our coordinator position. Uh, You'll be trained and looked at a schedule to see availability uh, when you can and can't work. And and we will take take anybody that that wants to serve in this capacity. Are there any age brackets uh, in terms of minors and things like that? Yes, there are. So you must be 18 years old. Um, to be able to serve, to, to be a volunteer on site. Now, it, 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 is a, it can be a rather physically demanding job too. Um, we, we have that whole gamut of, of ages that do come and volunteer. But I, I think maybe some of the listeners might be in a situation physically with their age or physical capacity that they themselves know they, they actually can't come in to volunteer. And I would just, I would uh, ask for, for prayers because the the prayer partners are just as essential if not more so than actually people 
manning the the center. We need those people to man the center, but we, you know, we need prayer. And if uh, if there's listeners out there that wish that they could be involved, but know that they can't um, physically, um, prayer is is so important. So I would encourage people to to keep the shelter and to keep the guests that are here in the shelter um, in their prayers. And also, for those of you who cannot physically help, uh, you can also contribute because now that you're going to be open all this time, the expenses are going to go up. Uh, yes, CCLSE.org is a good place to start. Uh, you can find out more about it. You can donate online, things like that. Um, it all helps. It all helps. This is, you know, it's a very ambitious project because we essentially, I was not being flippant when I say someone has to do it. And Catholic Charities is dedicated to doing this, as Roberto says, because we are Catholic. We, yes. we don't care if the people are Catholic, but we are Catholic, and we do it for them. Yes. And uh, there, it's it's a very noble experience. I, I also consider you know uh, being a, a law enforcement person a very noble job, as well as a person in the fire department, emergency services, nurse, you know, all these people. But these are noble jobs because you're really trying to to create a world that's better. Yes. And uh, these people are not to be ignored. Uh, it is something that is just critical uh, and something that you can do, something that you can say, even like may we sit next to you in the pew, can literally change the trajectory of a person's life. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. you may never know it. That's the trick. You, mm -hmm. you don't go there going, hey, I'm so great. I'm doing this. Boy, that's great. No, keep in mind that you probably will never know the influence you have God will know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and that person may know, you know, and they may never get to thank you for it, uh, but I've seen it happen. Yes. And it's just very important that they do it. Any final words, uh, Jeff, before we head out? Hey, give me one thing. What, what are your kids' names? Rattle them off. <laughs> um, so I have Gus, Cooper, and Rowan. Um, those were our three boys prior to our conversion. And then I have Monta Maria Grace. I have Ambrose Ignatius is our next boy. Then I have Avila Maria. Actually, her whole name is Avila Maria Stella Maris Guadalupe. <laughs> There's a whole story behind that. But um, And then I have Raphael. And I have Benedict and Gianna. And then our last, our four-year-old daughter is Immaculata Maria. And I'll bet you I know what you guys dress up for at Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah. now you can kind of see the dividing line before catholic after catholic <laughs> going on there yeah <laughs> that's really good that is really yeah. good uh, jeff thank you so much for being here as i tell people uh who are on the show that if there's something happens of some emergency nature or really mm -hmm. important that doesn't get out quite a way if you were to email me or, or call me on a Monday or a Tuesday, mm -hmm. I could get a public service announcement about it on the air the following weekend. And oh, wow. uh, so keep us in the loop. Uh, sending stuff to the diocesan center to letting them know is important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, if also sometimes it, it, it doesn't filter down to me directly. And so if there's something of urgency, call me or just email me. And okay. uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. And we'll have to have a, uh, well, one of these years I'm going to get up there. Uh, okay. Now Excellent. that we're not, now that we don't have COVID, and now that we don't have snow, at least for the time being, mm -hmm. um, you know, we got to take a little road trip. I'm, a, I used to work in Marshfield, and I'm, oh, okay. Uh, my my wife is from Central Wisconsin, so I'm kind of familiar with the area. Uh, 
but yeah. it's been been a pleasure talking to you. I just think that uh, what a great story, and the fact that all these pieces fell together, and here you are doing what you're doing and doing what you love. Isn't that fantastic? I know it, it's it's such we my wife and I we we continuously just step back and be like, wow, yeah. God God is uh, is really taking care of us. He's he's amazing, and to be given that the gift of being able to to serve in this capacity and is uh it's just an honor I'd it's say. remarkable it really yeah. is remarkable good well we'll talk to you again soon all right well we will see you again soon what an absolutely incredible story i am so blessed and i will even say honored to have the opportunity to talk with these people and to share their stories with you over these many 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 weeks in the time of such craziness that we read in the media every single week where we are bowled over by the insanity of people who were pulling out guns and shooting people for pulling into their driveway by mistake, it's good to know that there are good people out there caring for others and that, frankly, there are a lot more of us than there are of the kind of people you read about in the news. The next day I called Jeff back to thank him on what a great recording he did with this show and uh, you know, he was talking about hoping he didn't ramble and things like that. And I said, no, I'm the guy whose uh, father used to tell people I was vaccinated with a phonograph needle. I'm the guy who rambles, but fortunately I have the great opportunity to edit myself out. Jeff said, though, he did have one more thing he wanted to add, and I'm going to pass it along to you. He said, after we were done with the interview, he went back to his office, back to his desk, and there was a, well, I would say an elderly lady standing there very, very nervous and very, very distraught. She was a widow. Her husband had died some weeks earlier. And I don't know whether you're familiar with how Social Security works, but uh, there are some things that happen. And usually what happens is the spouse loses their Social Security, but they get the deceased spouse, which is frequently more. But regardless of that, she was getting a lot less than she had before while her husband was still alive. And she was genuinely concerned that she was going to not be able to pay her rent, be evicted, and she was going to be homeless because she had no one else to go to. She was genuinely terrified. Was there anything that Catholic Charities could do to help her straighten out whatever finances she had so she could keep her apartment or the roof over her head? Imagine being no longer a really, really young person, losing your spouse of many, many years that you had depended upon and you had worked with each other throughout probably decades. And then along with that incredible grief and loss, the realization that you might be on the street with the few possessions you could manage to carry with you and no place to go, it's unimaginable. Jeff told her that Catholic charities can help. They will work with her and she will not be homeless. He said the look of relief on her face was instant. It was as if a huge weight had been lifted off her shoulders. I'll tell you, it's the kind of stuff I see these people do every day. What an amazing vocation. You're tuned to Connecting the Diocese. My name is Jack Sosha. We'll be back right after this. You know, the parallel story in the, in the show with Jeff is his story of conversion for not only himself, but his wife and his family. 
interesting that they would go to the library and buy a book that he'd heard about. And then he actually went out and bought the catechism of the Catholic Church and actually read it to see what Catholics believe and then worked their way towards RCIA. That was back in 2008, and there are still great benefits in getting books and reading them and maybe, again, looking at the catechism. But also, now that it's uh, 2023, we have a lot of things that are online for you in the Diocese of La Crosse. You can go to the diocesan website, diolc.org, and you'll find all kinds of resources and not just dry text. There'll be videos you can watch. There'll be music you can listen to. There's back issues of this particular show you can find things. Also, there are homilies. as the kind of thing that Jeff managed to pick up. Only this time you'll actually be able to see the priest at the same time. And in addition to that, in cooperation with Franciscan University at Steubenville, there's a whole series of courses that if you are a parishioner at one of the diocesan churches, you can actually take at no charge. And it's not like a live course or recordings, of course, but nonetheless, a great resource that you could have. All these things are available to you by going to diolc.org. There's also a prayer request form that you can actually have people, and including our bishop, look at your prayers and pray for you or for someone else in need. If you don't have a computer or access to the internet, you can go to any public library and ask to use one of their computers and take a look at what goes on at diolc.org, the official website of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. There is not a human being, I don't think, who has anything to do with Jesus in any kind of way you know, doesn't understand what this means. And if we're into any kind of engagement with the activity of God who chooses to come among us in the flesh, what an incredible gift. You know, what an incredible gift. And then that does make a difference. What God loves about us, what God intends when he creates and gives us the ability to be so involved in the world in which he creates. That was Bishop William P. Callahan, Bishop of the Diocese of La Crosse, with some good words. I've got some more good words for you as we leave for today. This is a prayer for vocations of all different kinds. Heavenly Father, bless your church with an abundance of holy and zealous priests, deacons, brothers, and sisters. Give those who you have called to the married state and those you have chosen to live as single persons in the world the special graces that their lives require. Form us all in the likeness of your Son, so that in him, with him, and through him, we may love you more deeply and serve you more faithfully, always and everywhere. With Mary, we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening, and thank you, all of you, for helping out the Diocese of La Crosse and the Greater Church in any ways that you do. Your work is not without good results, because we heard about some of them today. So, I will catch you again next week right here on Connecting the Diocese. Jack Sosha saying goodbye for now. We will see you again next week.